Well, this morning I'm going to be carrying on with a series called Come and See. And so in our series, what we're doing is we are taking a deep dive into the book of John. And over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be looking at some of the major truths that are found in the fourth gospel. And the main idea, the overarching idea of our series is to look at the divinity of Jesus. To look at how truly He was God, fully God, and fully human. That He was not just a wise teacher, but He was God incarnate. And if He was truly God, then He's deserving of a full devotion and worship. So we're really going to take a deep dive into it. And you're going to find some wonderful truths for some of you. And we remind us, for some of you, it'll be some great revelation and some great uh, insight into the Word of God. And so as I begin my message this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that you are a good person? And if you do believe that you're a good person, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself? You know, Where would you place yourself on the scale of goodness? If I can use that word. Are you an 8? Are you great? Are you a little below? Maybe you're a little more humble and say, I'm about a 6. Or maybe you're really hard on yourself and you say, well, I'm really only about a 4. Where would you rate yourself in the terms of the, uh, how good of a person you are? And once you've got the number in your head, I want to ask you a follow-up question. And that is, what is the criteria that you use to determine how good of a person you are? I mean, what, what is that standard? What did you use to determine, yes, this, is, this gives me more points on the good scale and this takes away points on the good scale? You know, is it because you take care of your family? Is it because you work hard? Is it because you don't drink or smoke? You know, what, what is that criteria that you used? And make a note of it. Maybe write it down on a piece of paper or jot it down in your uh, Bible app. Or maybe just make a mental note of it. And now what I want you to do is, I want you to take that list, fold it up, and put it aside. And over the next couple of minutes, next 20 minutes, we're going to look at this concept of good. We're going to see what God says about us being good and as it relates to our relationship with God and as it relates to our salvation and the kingdom of God. What does God really say about us being good and about the kingdom of God? Well, let's get into it. I'm going to start from the third chapter of John and that's John 3 verse 1 to 2 and here it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So we see chapter 3 start with the account of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And if you don't know what the Pharisees were, the Pharisees were grouping a sect of, of Jews that were had strict observance to the law of God. They had strict observance to the Ten Commandments. They had a strict observance of the 600 other laws that, uh, that God instituted for the, for the nation of Israel. That in essence said, uh, by this way, if you observe these laws, these uh, ceremonies, these uh, uh, offerings, these givings, all of these laws, all of these regulations, you observe these regulations, that is the way that you find righteousness, that is the way that you are acceptable to me. So Nicodemus is a part of the Pharisees, and not only is he a part of Pharisees, he is 
educated. He is the uh, Nicodemus is 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 of Greek origin. He is an influential person. He is a ruler, and he's earnest. He's coming by night, and by all accounts, uh, uh, Nicodemus represents the highest standard of man, and he represents really uh, what would be considered good. And so Nicodemus comes to him and, and he says to him, Look, uh, uh, I know that you are of God. I know that you're a wise teacher because the things that you do can only be done with someone that is of God. And Jesus responds to him uh, in verse 3 by saying, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. He cannot see the kingdom. The, the, the Jews were waiting for the, the, the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah, that will restore them back to uh, the kingdom of God, that would establish a kingdom, that would take them out of the bondage that they found themselves under, and would place them back into this uh, place of authority that they had. And so Nicodemus is coming to him and saying, you know, you're a great teacher, and Jesus responds to him and says to him, the very thing that you're looking for, this kingdom of God, the thing that you have been waiting for, is done and entered into by being born again. And this phrase born again uh, is translated as to being born from above. And so Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and really his observance of the law. And he's saying to him, in order for you to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. It's not something that you can do of yourself. You see, it would be a different story if Jesus said to Nicodemus, uh, you need to wash yourself. You need to cleanse yourself. You know, we, that would have been an easy thing. We can wash ourselves, but we can't birth ourselves. And so Jesus was saying to him, and, 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 and he's saying to him, look, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus announcing him as a rabbi, as a teacher. And Jesus responds to him by announcing life. Because for the kingdom of God is not about learning, but what is wanted in the kingdom of, of, of God is life, and life comes by birth. And so Jesus says to him, look, for you to uh, get this salvation, for you to get this kingdom that you've been waiting for, you must be born again. And Nicodemus responds to Jesus in verse 4, and he says to him, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? At this point, Nicodemus is like super confused. He just doesn't understand what Jesus is going on about. Jesus is talking about a new birth. And he responds like, what do you mean a new birth? How, do I, how does an old man get birthed again? Does, must he go into his mother's womb? I don't understand what you're going on about. And see, Jesus, uh, or rather Nicodemus' reply were, could have been, less about ignorance and more about his complete misunderstanding of what Jesus meant. That he thought that Jesus meant a moral reformation. One way or the other, Nicodemus clearly didn't understand Jesus or the truth about the new birth. You see, Nicodemus was relying on his lineage, his good works to be saved and to enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a strict observer of the law of God. And this is why Jesus' statement made completely no sense to Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus thought that the Jews had already got it. 
that the Jewish people, the observers of the, of the law of God, the, the statutes and the regulations and the laws that God instituted for the nation of Israel to be made good and to be in right standing with God, they were observers of those things. And so he thought that the, the Jewish people had already had it. They thought, hey, hold on, we are already morally reformed. And by all accounts, they were good people. They were good. They were what was considered to be good. They were the highest standard of what was considered to be good. And in Nicodemus' confusion, Jesus responds like this, and it's in verse 5, and it says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And in verse 5, Jesus now responds to Nicodemus' confusion. He says, look, here's the thing. Bottom line is, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the Spirit, born of water. And to illustrate what he's trying to say here is, I want to give you an example. I want to say to you, if South Africa had to pass a law tomorrow that says, everyone that stays in South Africa, lives in South Africa, can only live in South Africa if they were born there. And anyone that wasn't born there cannot live in South Africa anymore. What would the regulation be? What would the criteria be? It wouldn't matter whether that person's children were born in, in South Africa. It wouldn't matter if that person's parents were born in South Africa. It wouldn't matter if that person uh, 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 dressed like everybody else. It wouldn't matter if they had the same customs. It wouldn't matter if they had the same uh, name as some of the, the most common names in, in the nation. It wouldn't matter if they had many friends in that nation. All that would matter is if they were born there. And so, Jesus, in essence, is saying the same thing that Nicodemus. He said, look, it doesn't matter whether you have friends here. It doesn't matter if your parents were born here. It doesn't matter who was born into the kingdom. If you are not born into the kingdom by the Spirit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a common name. It doesn't matter if you do all the same customs and regulations. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters of entrance into the kingdom is if you are born of the Spirit. You see, we don't need reformation. We don't need reforming of our morals. What we need is a radical conversion by the Spirit. See, man in the world doesn't need a reordering, a reforming of what it already is. What it needs is a transformation. What it needs is a brand new life. Jesus wasn't talking about a moral reformation. He wasn't talking about a change in behavior. He wasn't talking about behavior change or behavior modification. He wasn't talking about a moral reformation. He was talking about a complete heart transformation and now as we move on john uh, in the in the book of john jesus now starts to talk to nicodemus about something that's very familiar to him from the 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 book of exodus and it talks about moses and the and the nation of israel during the wilderness and 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 we and he refers to it in uh, verses four, uh, 14 and 15 and it says and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And in this 
specific verse Jesus is now turning to an account that Nicodemus is very familiar with. And that is the account of Moses and the Israelite nation in the wilderness and the, the serpent being lifted up. And if you don't know the account, uh, basically what happened was uh, Israel had just had a victory over a specific enemy. And for whatever reason, they started complaining and moaning to, to Moses and how bad it was where they were and how Moses led them into the wilderness and they must just go back to Egypt because it was much better there. And they're speaking against the man of God, the one that God had really appointed to lead them. And so God looks at this thing and says, look, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. He gets frustrated with the Israelites. He gets frustrated with the people. And he sends out fiery serpents or fiery snakes amongst the people. And many get bit and many die. And then Moses goes to God and re, uh, speaks on behalf of the people, repents on behalf of the people. And God instructs him and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to fashion out a, a bronze serpent. Right? A snake. Make an image of a snake that is bronze. And I want you to put it on a pole and I want you to lift it up. And the people must look at that bronze serpent. And when they look at it, it will, it will heal them. They'll be forgiven and it will heal them of the bites of the serpent. Right? And so Jesus is saying to, to, to Nicodemus the same way that the bronze serpent was lifted, the Son of Man must be lifted. Why? Because even though the serpent spoke of sin, bronze speaks of judgment and judgment and sin being dealt with. And so when Moses lifted up the serpent, it was, it was the picture of sin being dealt with and of sin being judged for the people. And so when the people looked at the sin being judged, they accepted forgiveness and they were healed. And notice that the people didn't have to do anything. There was nothing for them to do to be forgiven. All they had to do was look at the serpent. Look at the bronze serpent. Look at sin judged for them and dealt with. And in the same way Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Look, saying in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent, I, the Son of Man, will be lifted up on a pole. And whoever looks at me and believes in me and believes of the work of the cross, which was sin judged and dealt with, will not perish, but we will have eternal life. In the same way that nothing, the, the, the Israelites didn't have to do anything, all they had to look at, all they had to do was look at the serpent. Jesus is in essence saying to every single one of us, there is nothing that you can do uh, in and of yourself to be forgiven. What you have to do is look at me who was hung on the cross and who was, who was uh, for, who took upon your sin and the sin was placed upon me and the sin was dealt you, in essence, you can't do anything to be saved. What you need to do is look at, believe. Because belief consists of accepting something, not doing something. Belief consists of accepting something, not doing something. 
And after this this point, Jesus is now uh, quoting, and he carries on, and he's about to quote uh, the most, probably the most famous scripture that 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 we all know, and that's John three sixteen to seventeen, and it says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through Him might be saved. In this passage we learn the object of God's love, the world. You see, God didn't wait for the world to turn to Him before He offered up His love to it. And in the same way, God doesn't wait for us to turn to Him before He offers up uh, His love for us. He doesn't wait for us to get right. He doesn't wait for us to get ourselves sorted out before He offers up the gift of His unconditional love to us. You see, because it's not about moral reformation. It's not about reordering our lives. It's not about changing our behavior to be right with Him. It's about heart transformation. Because it is only the the unconditional love of God that has the power to completely rebirth us renew us and transform us the offering of jesus to us to die on the cross describes both the expression and the gift of god's love god didn't just feel the plight of the world he did something about it you see god doesn't just feel the for our plight he doesn't just empathize with us he doesn't sympathize with our broken lives no he does something about it And God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the very best that I have, Jesus, to come and to transform and to renew them from the very thing and and, and help them move away from and deal with the very thing that separated them from me. Sin. And I'm going to send them to be the one that takes on their sin and to be judged on their behalf and so that their sin may be dealt with. You see, we are called to believe unto Jesus. But belief is much more than just intellectual awareness or agreement. It is Belief is to trust in, to rely on, and to cling to. To cling to the work of the cross. The love of God is limitless. It embraces all of mankind and it embraces all of us. It embraces all of who we are. No sacrifice was too great for God to give the very best that He had. And He gave it, which was Jesus, the Son of God. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus revealed the heart of God the Father in sending God the Son to bring salvation, to bring rescue, to bring hope and to bring healing. To bring these things to the world through Him and to bring these things into our lives through Him. In the same way that the bronze serpent was raised up on the pole and the people looked at it and were healed. Jesus was raised up on the cross and the sin was placed upon Him. And the sin was dealt with. And in the same way, all the, all the, what the people had to do was look at the bronze serpent to be saved and to be healed. God says to us in the same way, all you need to do is look unto Jesus 
to believe in the work of Jesus. And when you believe and when you not just have an intellectual uh, acknowledgement or agreement of that, but when you rely and you trust into into the work of Jesus, not your, your own works, not your own ability to be made right with God, but only Jesus' ability to bring you into right standing with Him. When you look at Him, then you will be saved. Then you will be healed. Then you will be transformed. The bottom line is, no matter how good we think we are, we are still in desperate need of a loving Savior. And in this way, Jesus' divinity is shown again in His ability to take away our sin and to be an all-encompassing, unconditionally loving Savior for us. No matter where we fall on that scale of goodness, we are all in need of a loving Savior. And so I want you to go back to that, that, that list of things that you had right in the beginning, that list of, of criteria that determined where you were on the, on the good scale. I want you to take that list and I want you to throw it away. Because you are not made right, you are not made good by your works. You are made right in right standing by the work of Christ on the cross. And when we accept it and when we have an understanding of it and when ultimately when we receive it, that is when our hearts are transformed and that is when then the good works or righteous acts then flow out of us because it's no longer about being good so that I can be in right standing with God. No, now the good works are an expression of God's powerful love at work in our own lives. All we are required to do is believe. We don't necessarily need to know exactly how it works. Just like Jesus said, the wind blows where it, where it blows. And you don't know how it happens, but it does happen. You can see the effect of it. In the same way, I can give you an example. Some, you know, some people say, but I don't believe in that stuff. And that's fine. It doesn't make it any less the truth doesn't make the effect of it any less in our lives because you can go to the top of any building and jump off the building and say I don't believe in gravity I don't believe in gravity I don't believe in gravity but you're gonna see the effect of it on your body very soon and so we are called to believe in Christ because when we believe in him it has an effect on our lives has an effect on our lives and so this morning I want to invite you and I want to in a way I want us to recommit ourselves to the love of God not as a work as an act of work or as an act of being in right standing in righteousness with 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 him but as a way for us to refocus ourselves on him that it's all about him that Jesus is the main thing, that it's all about Him, and that we are to put our eyes upon Him, that we are to allow the love of Christ to flood our hearts. And I want to invite you this morning, if you've never believed unto Jesus, to repeat this prayer that I'm going to pray this morning. I'm inviting you into relationship with Him. I'm inviting you to have a deep, relationship and a deep understanding and I'm inviting you
to allow your heart to be completely transformed by the power of God's unconditional lives. So this morning, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe right now that I am saved not based on my works, but I'm saved based on the work of Christ on the cross. I believe right now that my heart is completely transformed, that I'm a new creation, that the old things have gone and the new has come. Show me your ways that I may know you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your grace this morning. We choose to look unto you as a help. Times where we've turned our eyes away from you, Father God, we put our eyes upon you this morning once again. And we know that you are author and the finisher of our faith. And the good work that you've begun in us, you're faithful to complete it. In the name of Jesus. Amen.